this is Brian Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. A little bit later on, if all goes well, we'll be joined by a distinguished panel of comics who will go through some of the news of the week. Uh, lots of big news this week. Um, I'm going to start with uh, this, and I'll discuss this a little bit more with, uh, with the comedians once they're on. Um, you know, the, the, the major news this week thus far uh, has been Donald Trump having been found liable for um, sexually assaulting E. Jean Carroll back in a department store dressing room uh, back in the 1990s. He was found liable in civil court and she was awarded $5 million. They did not find him liable for, for the rape. They, they for whatever reason, um, the jury decided that she did not prove rape, but the jury was unanimous unlike the other nine counts that in fact he did commit battery against her. He did in fact assault her, he assaulted her sexually, and then he defamed her with malice when he went on true social and called her a liar. Um, now what's interesting about this is, you know, historically and traditionally, uh, before the Trump presidency and the Trump candidacy, when we had norms in this country, something like this would have been disqualifying. There are a million things he would have done, uh, has done that would have been disqualifying. I mean, when he was indicted, uh, he, he would have been disqualified. Uh, his political career would have been over, but nope. Instead, uh, he actually gained support and got a bump in the polls once he was indicted. He actually gained money. You know, more people gave money. Well, I, I read a list of the quotes of what Republican lawmakers are saying since he was found liable for, for sexual assault. Now, if you watched any of this trial at all or any of the coverage of this trial, you know that E. Jean Carroll put on a damn good case, that she was very, very credible, that the witnesses she put on who described Trump having done the same thing or similar things to them were very credible. Her friend who she called five to seven minutes after the attack happened was very, very credible. And she put on a very, very strong case. Plus they played the, you know, grab him by the pussy tape. And then they played a tape of Trump's deposition where he doubled down his deposition in this trial, uh, in this case on, on video, he doubled down on that statement saying that that base, and I'm par paraphrasing here, but he says that that's just the way that it is, you know, for, for, for good or for ill, that men, you know, with power can do that. And that's how it's been for millions of years, his words, millions of years. Okay, so you would think that that would have been the end to him, but no, this is what Republican lawmakers are saying today. Uh, Florida Senator Marco Rubio says, quote, that jury's a joke. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, Tuberville said, it makes me want to vote for him twice. It makes me want to vote for him twice. Senator Bill Haggerty, who is a senator representing the state of Tennessee, says that Trump is the victim. Not Eugene Carroll. Trump is the one who is the victim. And then you want to hear what the people who are potentially going to run against him and try to get the Republican nomination uh, for president in 2024, what have they got to say? Nothing. They've all turned into Marcel Marceau. They're all mutes. Most of them have said absolutely nothing, his rivals. Nothing. Um, and then on top of that, I read an, an, an article, I think it was a Rolling Stone uh, where they interviewed uh, several Republican women 
and ask what their thoughts were on uh, on this verdict. And uh, here are just a couple of them. One woman said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If it's Trump versus Biden, I'm voting for Trump. Another woman says, Christianity teaches us forgiveness. So that, that's her rationale for voting for Trump after he's been found liable for sexual assault. Another woman said, Trump is a compassionate man who cares about people. In what universe are you living? <laughs> what universe are you? He's a compassionate man who put babies in cages because they were Mexicans crossing the border, but literally put babies in baby jails. He's a compassionate man who cares about people. Yeah, you've got something like 24 women who have stories of him assaulting them. And he's a compassionate man who cares about people. So call this unfair if you want, but I think that this is fair. I think this is accurate. I think that this nails it. And that is that the Republican Party, today's Republican Party, right now, as I speak in 2023, is a party that thinks the sexual assault of women is okay. I mean, how, how else can, 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 you, can you put it when you've got a United States senator saying that the fact that the Republican frontrunner for the GOP nomination was found liable of sexually assaulting a woman rather than condemning him, this sitting United States senator says, it makes me want to vote for him twice. It, it makes me want to vote for him twice. So, I mean, what other possible conclusion can you draw that then that the Republican Party today in 2023 is a party that thinks that the sexual assault of women is OK? And by the way, this is the party that cares so much about about fetuses and cares so much about the right to life and about pain of fetuses and about babies before they're born. You know, it's in, and in some cases, uh, they even want to ban abortion, even if it means that the mother will die if she gives birth. They think, though, you know, even though they care so much about you before you're born, if you're if you're born and you grow into a woman who, who is sexually assaulted, they're fine with it because Christianity teaches forgiveness. It's just sickening, isn't it? This is part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. Uh, joining us uh, on, I, I, I like to get fancy and call this the Copeland's, the, the Copeland's Quarter Live Line, but it's Zoom. We're doing this over Zoom. So, so forget the airs. Forget the protection. We're doing this over Zoom. Uh, Lauren Mayer, one of our regulars, is joining us. And uh, Ron Bai is scheduled to be with us. And a lot of times, because of the fact that we are not in the same room and we are doing this over Zoom, uh, comics will have trouble connecting uh, or we'll have internet uh, problems in terms of getting on on with us. So um, he is not here. Should he be able to connect and uh, and join us, we will add him into the conversation. In the meantime, Lauren, how you doing? I'm good. I'm glad my internet seems to be working pretty well because I have a 26 year old living in the house, and he anytime the internet gets funky, he fixes it. So he just informed me that our upload rate went from point oh one to twenty five, which I guess is oh, pretty wow. good. 
I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good. It sounds good. Well, that so was the thing when my son moved out. What sucked was that I lost my in-house tech support. Yeah, I know. I, I told him, look, I will let you come raid the refrigerator because we're in the process of moving and he's not coming with us. Um, I said, I'll let you come raid the refrigerator if you fix anything technical that I need help with. So I think that's a fair deal. He likes my cooking. So that works. Good deal for everybody. Why do we have children if they weren't going to fix our technology for us? That's it. Let's start. Let's start with this. Okay. Uh, of course, the, 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 there are a couple of big news stories, but the biggest news story and the most historic news story thus far uh, this week is, uh, is Donald Trump being found liable in the sexual assault and uh, the defamation of E. Jean Carroll in a uh, courthouse in, uh, in Manhattan on Tuesday. A um, mm. couple of things. I've got a couple of questions for you then, just a couple of things that... Um, uh, a couple of interesting things that I read in regard to this. First of all, um, they they found Trump liable for the sexual assault and for the battery, but they did not. The only thing that they didn't find him liable for is the rape. Do you think that they got that verdict right? Well, I do on a couple of levels. Um, the fact that they didn't find him for that doesn't affect the, the monetary compensation, um, but it does show that they actually looked at the evidence such as it was. And the two things that came to light in the trial were, number one, all the other examples of his pattern of behavior were other women who he had, in his own words, grabbed them in the pussy but that didn't go all the way to rape. Now, one of them was the one that was at Mar-a-Lago when the butler interrupted, so he may have intended a full-on rape, but there wasn't a pattern of behavior that they had shown. Uh, but the other thing was, in her own words in the book, she wasn't absolutely positive that there was actual penetration. And a lot of people have speculated that's because um, he had nothing really with which to penetrate, or at least not that she could tell. I, I'm embarrassing myself here. She couldn't tell whether it was a finger or his um, genitalia. And that says a lot about him. <laughs> so, but she told her girlfriend, though, like the, the girlfriend that she called like five to seven minutes after it happened, she told right. the girlfriend that he penetrated her. And her girlfriend said, you've been raped. You need to go to the police. Right. But I think the jury, what they were confronted with was, and that is the only thing that the, the Trump's attorney was able to bring up that I think affected them was in her book about it when she yeah. mentioned it. She said she wasn't absolutely positive. And when you're traumatized and there was penetration, it was just by a finger and not by an... Possibly. Possibly. Um, she wasn't sure. So, of course, Stormy Daniels tweeted out, that's because you can't tell the difference with <laughs> You know, I'd say I follow Stormy Daniels on Twitter and she's hilarious. She she, is. She's absolutely hilarious because these guys will write this nasty stuff and, you know, you know, oh, you're just, a, you know, <laughs> some guy tweeted her. Oh, you're, you're just a, 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 a woman who has sex. So the other guy said, get off looking at you. And she wrote back, well, that's the definition of a porn star. <laughs> that was her answer. <laughs> you know, and see, other people will say, you know, you're going to go down. And she says, and I usually get paid for it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> um, yeah, she's hilarious. I have to admit, I could never actually have done pornography, but it does seem like having a sense of humor really helps to stay. She seems oh, it would have better. to. It would have to. 
You'd yeah, I mean, to... I read her book. She's she sounds pretty with it, and not somebody who was manipulated into it by a boyfriend or whatever. Which is, you know, like a lot of yeah. Those... That's the story, the, the the traditional story for you know, if you know the history of pornography from the '70s, looking at you know stuff about Marilyn Chambers and Linda Lovelace. And Linda Lovelace, yeah. They were, and actually, it was the same guy who got both of them into it. And that usually they're they're you know they have a husband or a boyfriend who's acting like a pampas force and them into it. But it's a different thing. And and what's weird about it now is that there are actually young girls. Um, I mean, I saw a fourteen-year-old girl wearing a T-shirt with the words "porn star" in glitter. Over, well, over, yeah. over they're the probably party. selling up at Gap Kids now. Probably. Well, and then well, looking at it as a, as a career option or looking at, at it as something to aspire to. And it's like, you know, you know, I don't want to come off as a prude. I mean, it, it, you know, there's something it's it's not prostitution. It, no. it, it, there's something that says prostitution. It's not prostitution. But let's just say it's not something I want my daughter or my granddaughter to do to choose as a career. I was thinking about that because uh, my younger son is a drummer and he plays for this thing called the Misfit Cabaret that was at the Brava Theater this past weekend. And it's this fabulous singer-songwriter named Kat Robichaux and she puts together various burlesque and sort of variety artists like amazing. There's a woman singing high opera aria as well, hanging upside down from a trapeze, that kind of thing. But they always have a stripper and there was a young woman stripper in the last one that I saw and I was tormented from thinking what an amazing dancer and I would not let my daughter do that. And you know, I mean, she's out there with almost nothing on, but an extraordinary dancer. And I just, I, I couldn't, but whatever she's, yeah, she's not, she wasn't a prostitute. She wasn't, she was making a living being artistic. So. Yeah. Who are we to judge? Yeah. Well, we're old, Brian. <laughs> don't, don't, don't mad me. We, I'm not, I'm not, uh, we. <laughs> I'm, I'm much older than you are. I'm old. I mean that we. All right, let me ask you this: Were you were you surprised by the verdict? Because I wasn't sure. I mean, I thought that the that the evidence she the the evidence that she presented, while all circumstantial and anecdotal, was still overwhelming. And the fact that Trump didn't even bother to show up, you know. Whereas, as I said last week, if it were me and I was accused of that and I didn't do it, I would be there every day and I would have sat in that stand and shouted from the mountaintops that I I didn't do it. Uh, but no, he yeah, he didn't even bother to show up. But but still, these cases tend to go against the woman you know the women always uh, get you know the the short end of the stick when it comes to to these kinds of 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 things and And clearly since she couldn't tell whether he penetrated or she got the short end of the she got the real short end of the stick Um, Uh, in fact it was six men too and i i just i wasn't sure i I really wasn't sure i would i i was not shocked at the verdict i was really surprised at how quickly it came back um, because it really was as you know it was her word against his and the only word of his that they had in the courtroom was that deposition that they played and that's yeah. where actually and that's where he did himself 
no favors because he doubled down on access hollywood yeah i mean when when his attorney when her attorney asked him do you still believe that and that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to say it was locker room talk of course i don't believe that but the fact that he said well yeah it's true and fortunate unfortunately or fortunately it's true it goes back millions of years real millions of years what what are you talking about well and cap and then he and then he said to kaplan you know you're not my type either to her, to to um, e. Jean Carroll's lawyer, I mean the fact that he talked about I didn't rape her because she's not my type, is and then of course proved that she, he thought she was his type because he mixed her up with his second wife in pictures. Yeah, he didn't do himself any favors, and I think the combination of that and him having a really terrible attorney. I mean, his attorney was like out of a 70s mob movie, you know, badgering the witness and claiming it couldn't be true because she didn't scream and going back to a lot of tropes about rape that might have been true in the 70s or 80s. But we've evolved a little bit past that to understand that, you know, there isn't one perfect way that every woman responds to sexual assault. So um, I well, I will tell you, I thought she stood toe to toe to him well, and I thought oh, that yeah. I thought she got the better end of the of of, of the cross. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I mean she he completely did. stood up to him. He, 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 by the time he got done cross examining her, he looked like a fool. Yeah, because she, yeah, he well, they do. Um, I've read about this thing called I think they call it B two B, bring the bad. Like in her initial testimony, she raised all the possible uh, complaints about her you know, that she had written a skit like that and that it had been an episode in SUV Law and Order and it had been, she didn't scream and she doubted herself. She brought all that up initially so that all the stuff he was hammering at her, she said, yes, I brought that up. That's not how, you know, rape victims respond in a whole variety of ways and just made him look like a boorish, you know, like a, a, a male chauvinist pig for she made him look like dabney coleman in nine to five you know uh, like that sort of boorish male chauvinist pig out of an old sitcom and by the way it's it's it's, it's law and order svu and that not, oh and not as suv, SUV. that's a whole <laughs> different show i haven't watched that, it, so. that's a whole different show i love that show and and i and i'm i'm, I'm trying to remember there was was the episode an episode that was based on her allegations no it was before I guess there was an episode uh, before hers where there was an assault at a Bergdorf Goodman's. And so so he, and it wasn't, it wasn't a a celebrity. It wasn't any of that. And I don't, I'm not even sure what the crime was, but it happened in a Bergdorf Goodman's. So he claimed that she stole the story. From Um, SVU. Gotcha. And like she said, if she were going to make it up, she would have changed the name of the store. Oh, duh. Yeah, duh. And then and then she had written this skit for Saturday Night Live before this, um, which is why she was joking with Trump about him wearing lingerie, because she'd written a skit for William Shatner <laughs> trying on women's lingerie. And she, she, that's, you know, how and so she brought it up. He was accusing her of making it up based on her own skit. So Crazy. he made himself look terrible. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm like, just an aside, um, if you ever watch SVU or any of the Law and Order shows, if at the very beginning they say that this story that you're about to see is fictional and is not meant to um, represent, I'm paraphrasing, not meant to represent any person living or dead, it's about somebody. Yeah. <laughs> anytime they put, anytime that they put that up, you watch it and you know within the first five minutes who they're talking about. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. that they did the first one they did when they brought it back was it was it was obviously Cosby was yeah. what they did when they brought it back. But so in every whenever you see that, you you can you you know unequivocally that it's about somebody. Exactly. They just changed some details. I mean, the thing about that the verdict is, you know, he's gonna appeal Trump's gonna appeal it and he's turning himself into a major victim and he's fundraising off of it. His of course face isn't gonna change. But what they're saying that you know there are a few He's got no grounds for appeal, but though that's what they're saying. He's yeah. got he's got zero grounds for appeal. He well, didn't put on a defense. You know, he he did not. They didn't. They didn't put on a single witness. You know, basically the closing argument was, "Come on, really, well, seriously." That was basically the closing argument. There was no defense. So, what? Where? Where's the grounds for appeal? The grounds on his end are, that he would claim is that the judge was biased, but that's a really hard thing to prove. No, you're right. They and they and he can try to claim that there was something wrong in the judge's instructions to the jury. That's all he has. Um, well, he's got an effective counsel. He can make that argument. The fact that they didn't put on the defense is an effective counsel. But I don't I don't think that flies. No. And, and I think his attorney was an idiot. But the one thing he did know was he didn't want Trump testifying because he knew Trump is such a terrible witness. All of the previous lawyers who've written books about him have said that um, he you know, he doesn't do what he's told to do. He rants and raves. I mean, so, I mean, it's not going to change his basis mind. But what they're saying already is that the few independent women left out there who you know might have their reservations about biden or whatever this will turn them off not just because of the verdict but how he's responding instead of saying you know this is was not fair and i will be appealing but i respect the jury or whatever he's just having temper tantrums of course he is which is what you knew he was going to do yeah. there, there, there's an art in fact along with the temper tantrums there's an article in uh, the atlantic today uh, in which they, they they write that the judge in this case, you know, usually what, at the end of, of a case, the judge will tell the jurors, you know, we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much for your service. You're dismissed. And then that allows them to go out and do whatever they want and say whatever it is they want to say about the case, the case uh, deliberations or anything, because the case is over. Um, and, and they have, I, I think it's Seventh Amendment right or something I read, the, the Atlantic said that they have the right to go and talk about the case if they want to. Well, in this case, the judge said to them um, that he strongly urged them, the jurors, not to identify themselves publicly. Yep. And that they might not want to identify themselves now or for a very, very long time. Now, he couldn't order them not to do it. But they, they, the way that the Atlantic described it was like a parent telling an older teenager, you know, they can't order him not to do it, but that's what he suggested. And what the Atlantic says is that that is that, that all, all of the stuff that Trump did, it's, you know, his enduring le legacy is not about the judges. It's it's not about uh, the things he did that rolled back people's rights is not about lowering taxes on the rich. What Trump's enduring legacy is, is the successful introduction of violence, the threat of violence and targeted harassment into the dynamics of political of, of our political system. Yeah, you, you I, disagree with that. 
completely. And as a matter of fact, you know, that is now becoming a defense for a lot of the January 6th defendants. And I think wasn't somebody sentenced yesterday. It was a bunch of things because the, the verdict came in. George Santos, the announcement came out that. He yeah, was well, we'll get to we'll get to Santos. Yeah. But but one of the Proud Boys, I think, or one of the Oath Keepers and a lot of the defense that's being mounted by these January 6th yahoos is that Trump told them to do it. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. so Trump, by saying these jurors are animals or whatever he says, and again, he can do that plausible deniability. I just complained about him and what people did was whatever. But he, you're right, he has introduced this concept that a leader will inspire people to do violence. You know, he told his followers at his rallies to beat up reporters. I mean, yeah. So which, now, by I, the way, I, I, I might add, which is why I just don't understand why in the world CNN is giving him a forum. I, did, I well, and I know I, that I just don't understand it. I mean, the way that he has attacked the legitimate media, and for them to give him an hour or an hour and a half or whatever it is they're giving him for a town hall meeting, uh, where he's going to just you know spew his lies to a to a a, a larger audience, it ju it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's like when Rachel Maddow said during the uh, uh, when he was doing those daily COVID briefings that were absolutely useless. You know, yeah. these COVID brief briefings were worse than useless, worse than you say useless. it did nothing to do with COVID, most of them. And, and she finally said, why are we covering this? We should not be covering this. And people and, and networks stopped. Well, it's the same with this. Why in the hell is CNN giving him a form? Well, it's CNN is under new management that they want to raise their ratings. It's like a traffic accident you can't look away from. And especially with the town hall being on Wednesday night when the verdict came out the day before, I mean, everybody is waiting to see what kind of unhinged nonsense he's going to spew so the ratings will be up i mean the only bright side of it is that the reason he agreed to cnn which you know he's trashed all along is that he's pissed at fox news so you know it's, it's a reflection of how upset he is with fox news well but it's not just that it's not just that he's pissed at fox news it's that fox news is is inching away from him right he, I, I saw a montage of the coverage of the verdict on fox news yesterday and there were several pundits uh as well as uh as personalities who were saying that this this wasn't a good thing and that this is is going to tarnish him and will stay with him and, you know for the rest of his life and you know he was the president who's who sexually assaulted somebody all stuff that in the past fox news would have explained away and what right. they're saying on the on all they're saying on the far right on on Newsmax and OAN, all they're saying is he was he was uh, he was clear to the right charge. They're not mentioning anything else that is saying yeah. this proves he's not a rapist yeah. because he was because he was he was clear to the right charge. But but part of this is is that Fox News has moved away from him. Yeah. So so that that's one of the reasons that he's trying to be nice with CNN and probably some of the others. But I just, you know, and here's the other thing. If they're going to put him on, they can't put him on and give him a town hall unless they give Nikki Haley a town hall, right. a Hutchinson a town hall, uh, Pence Scott a, a town hall, you know, everybody else who's running, who, who's running for the GOP nomination should, gets a town hall if they're going to do this. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, we don't have that fairness doctrine anymore, so nope. we don't have to. But I mean, I, I'm not going to watch it because not that I'm a Nielsen family or anything, but I don't even want anybody to think that I'm supporting CNN and doing this. But I have to admit, I am incredibly curious to see 
what awful quotes will come out. I'm yeah, that's it. Know. That's exactly it. I'm not going to watch it, but of course, I'll, you know, I read everything every day. Yeah. And I'll see what ridiculous nonsense he said. But I have to admit, I don't want to give him any more airtime. So like I do a weekly song. Um, I don't know if your listeners know this. I do a song every Friday about the week's news. And I've certainly done a ton of Trump songs, but and I'm doing one this week about E. Jean Carroll, but we're celebrating her. So it it does involve Trump. But as far as, you know, he may come out with, you know, another of his nonsense things. I mean, I did a whole song about Kefefe when he, you know, when he was doing those ridiculous yeah. tweets. But I don't want to pay any attention to that stuff anymore because that it's, you know, it's still giving him oxygen in the room. And hasn't he, and, hasn't he corroded America enough? Oh my God. I have several friends who live in Europe and they look, and I have some fans from Canada who follow my, my weekly songs and they will say, we feel so sorry for you. They just, they look at us. It's just, you know, not that other countries don't have problems, but you know, they don't have mass shootings, you know, every day and they don't have i mean they had boris johnson who was pretty awful in england yeah. but nothing i mean nothing like this guy no I mean, no this is just well when you're dealing with somebody who is has delusions of grandeur and is is obviously mentally ill and, i mean i'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or or licensed in mental health but you don't have to be no, he's obviously mentally ill and gross about, I mean, his, the way he treats, I mean, I loved my father very, very much. Um, you know, he taught me to dance, but I mean, you know, I, I hugged him, but if he had ever said to anybody else that he sometimes was more attracted to me than my mother, I mean, that's just disgusting. And he or said flattering, that kind of thing, depending on what? the family, or flattering, depending on the family and what part of the yeah. country you live in. God, I mean, just the, <laughs> the Trump would make those comments, and I mean, he's just gross. That's gross. Um, yeah. Well, let's move on uh, on on to George Santos. Oh, yeah. Uh, George Santos was taken into custody today, Wednesday, when we record this. He was taken into custody, federal custody today, by the Justice Department, where Justice Department unsealed 13 federal charges accusing him of fraud related to COVID-19 unemployment benefits, misusing campaign funds, and lying about his personal finances on house disclosure reports. He's charged with seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. Among the things that he did was that he started a company, this this Devolder nonsense that he that he started. Uh, and the purpose of Devolder was to get people to donate money to his campaign. So people donated money that was supposed to be going to his campaign. And instead, he took the money to pay his credit card bills and he took the money to buy designer clothes and, and basically, you know, the expensive dinners and to spend on himself. Something else that he did uh, as far as what the COVID-19 and this is something new that I had not heard. Um, he apparently had some job at some firm, um, some investment firm that was paying him one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. And at the time he was collecting that salary, he applied for, for COVID unemployment Ugh. and he got it. And he took $24,744 in benefits. Jesus. 
So, um, yeah, so so he's looking at a long, long time in jail if he's convicted on these things. And here's the worst part of this. Again, you know, go back 10 years. If you had somebody who was it wouldn't even, it wouldn't 10 years ago, it would not have even gotten this far. Once it came out, once a quarter of the lies that we know about came out, he would have been forced out. He would have been forced to resign. They've only the House has only removed five people in its history that they've actually removed. Most people have the good sense to 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 step aside and let somebody else take your seat. This guy, again, another guy who's been described as mentally ill, obviously, uh, is not going to do that. He's they're going to he's going to make them throw him out. And and McCarthy, McCarthy's answer to the indictment is that he's going to wait before calling on Santos to resign. Quote, he will go through his time in trial and let's find out how they how it happens. Let's find out how they, what the outcome is. That's what, what McCarthy's saying. I mean, that doesn't surprise me in the least. McCarthy is completely run by Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, you know, their best buddies now. I'm not surprised that McCarthy isn't calling for him to be out. The fact that so few other older elder statesman type Republicans are saying anything. I mean, some of them are saying he shouldn't be here, but they're not calling for him to resign. Well, they but need it. To... They need they need the the, the, the majority is they so the slim. They need the right. vote. They... But it's, you know, they've, they've got four votes. They've got a four vote majority, so they could do without him. The thing I can't get, get out of my head, the two things that struck me with all that is who on earth was paying this guy 120,000 a year? I mean, yeah, I, that's I, I a lot that of money. Before. And then that some of that was designer clothing. I mean, I've yeah. seen pictures of him. I yeah. mean, the only time he looked like he had even decent taste or the picture of him as a drag queen. But speaking of which, I saw a great meme that said Republicans have finally found a drag queen they can credibly accuse of being a criminal. And it was a picture of him. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, he is a perfect embodiment of everything of today's Republican Party. They, he doesn't know anything. He's a complete liar. He has absolutely no shame. And I mean, so what they said they took him into custody. Does that mean he's in jail now? I, I'm assuming that's what it means. I mean, I, I would guess somebody's bailed him out by now, but they, they it, it's not a, 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 a it's not murder. It's not a, a non-bailable offense. But, no, uh, but he, but it wasn't like you're indicted, but you, you're, we're going to let you go on your own recognizance. Wow. Well, maybe he's a U.S. senator. Maybe, maybe. Congressman. It, yeah. I don't know. It could be. It could be a a a, uh, a situation where they have him surrender his passport and put on an ankle bracelet and stick around. I don't know. I, I would be surprised if he's in jail tonight. But they oh, did. My. They did, in fact, take him into custody. Oh my gosh! I want to see that mugshot. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, he inspires so many memes. I saw headlines, you know, Nobel physicist, prize-winning physicist George Santos is arrested. You know, oh, my <laughs> favorite, my favorite one is is here's a picture of George Santos giving his fame his famous "I have a dream" speech. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's my favorite. The fact that it, I mean, he's so awful. You know, really, it's not like he's that much of an outlier. I mean, when you look at what's happened to the modern Republican Party and that the people who used to have some credibility have gone to the dark side, Lindsey Graham. But but I mean, I I would have never voted for John McCain, but I had a lot of respect for him as a person. I did too. How could you not? 
I mean, yeah. after what he did for this country, how how in the world could you not have respect for John McCain? Right. But he also, I mean, even if he voted in way, I mean, I can respect people that I completely disagree with. Yeah. I said, you know, okay. I mean, that, remember he put that woman down who claimed that Obama wasn't a U.S. citizen. And he's that's like, right. That was his. He, fine, that was one of his finest hours. And and uh, voting down the trying to repeal Obamacare, too. Um, cause he did that thumbs down gesture. Like he made mm. a point and, you know, so if he liked Lindsey Graham, there had to be more than just a convenience. You know, there must've been some kind of value to him. And the fact that Lindsey Graham went from his best friend being John McCain to Donald Trump. Well, here's what I, what I've, I've read is that the bottom line here is that Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham is an opportunist. And Lindsey Graham is going to hitch his wagon to whichever star he thinks is going to carry him the farthest. And for a long time, that star was John McCain. And when John McCain died, he needed another one. I mean, if you look at the things he said about Trump when Trump was first running, about yeah. just about, you know, if in fact Donald Trump is elected uh, or, or gets the nomination, it'll be the end of the Republican Party and we deserve it. I mean, he, he said things like that. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're 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 hot tub buddies you know all of a sudden so it's it's just you know it's it but but you still i mean the worst you can find you still cannot compare anyone anyone to uh to santos i mean santos you know i i had (laughs) when i was much younger i had a girlfriend who lied about everything yeah i I mean i had no idea i mean you, you find out afterwards of course. But I mean, who lied? I, I, I'm not even sure that her name was the name she gave me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that it didn't last for very long. But that's how, that's, you know, just that's what time it is. And they lie. You know, yeah. it, it was like that. And 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 that's how this guy I mean, he lies about stuff that he lied that he produced, that he was a producer of the Spider-Man musical on Broadway. Now, this this musical was a debacle. I saw it. I saw it, Brian. That you did see it. I I did see it. I chaperoned a high school drama trip to New York, and it was. And I saw Marilyn, an American fable, which up until Carrie the musical lost more money than any other Broadway flop because I lived in New York for several years, and that was pretty bad. This was by far the worst thing I had ever seen, produced amazingly with amazing talent in it. Um, but it was. And it closed quickly. It clo- it, it, closed. it wasn't open more than a few weeks. No, and it was in previews for like a year. I mean, it was ridiculous. They kept delaying the opening. I mean, it was spectacularly bad. But but why would you um, brag? Why would you brag that exactly? You produced, if you're gonna lie about about producing something, say you produced the Lion King. Well, it's like. <laughs> you know, but again, it's like the, the book of I, I think that, he figured you know? that it would be harder for people to tell that that wasn't true because. It's like the movie, The Producers, you know, where they collect more investments than they actually can pay off because who's going to look into a flop? I think, I mean, but it, yeah, I mean, he lied. You're right. He, I mean, he is worse than all of them, except at least they stripped him of his committee assignments and didn't put him back on. Unlike Marjorie Taylor Greene, who spends every committee hearing badgering witnesses and yelling stupid things and, you know, yelling things at one hearing last week, she was going to this rant about how it didn't take any kind of government policy to start the ice age, which cured global warming back then. Oh, geez. 
I mean, that, that's even worse than the guy who brought a snowball in and said, how can there be global warming? It's snowing out. It's not, they're just not cases. I mean, they're, they're, they're bonkers. And um, here's, here's a story that's going to make the right lose their minds. Um, well, but my, no, wait, well, you're implying they have minds left to lose, Brian. Well, I'm, I'm saying the far right. I'm not, I'm, oh. I'm not talking about conservatives. I'm, I want to be real clear about that. I'm not talking about conservatives because real conservatives care about two things, lower taxes and less government. I mean, that, that's, those are the two tenets of conservatism. And, well, and you got to add in. Real, what real conservatives believe in. Real conservatives would be pro-choice because they don't want the government involved in people's business. Uh, Ron DeSantis is not a real conservative. Because because a real conservative would not be going after Disney because Disney disagreed with them. A real conservative would not be involved in a private entity in a, in a private business. So when so when I say you know I don't call them conservatives, I call them right wingers because okay. there's there's a, a there's a big difference. And that's why it drives me crazy when people say, well, the conservative media, Newsmax is not the conservative media. No, neither is Fox, neither is OAN. They are not the conservative media because they're not they're not conservative. They're right wing. And there's a huge difference between those two things. Yeah. But this will make the right wingers heads explode. And that is that California, um, Governor Gavin Newsom uh, signed into effect a task force to look at the possibility of reparations for slavery uh, being paid out by in some way, shape or form. Uh, dealt with or addressed by the state of California. California was not a slave state, but California was complicit. If you were from a slave state and you brought your slave from Mississippi to California, California honored that. Right. You know, California honored the bondage. So um, the the reparations task force has uh, come up with a proposal that would pay African Americans in the state of California an amount up to $1.2 million. And it would, and uh, there are a number of, of different uh, criteria that are involved. You'd have to prove that you were the, the direct descendant of someone who was a slave. You were descended from slaves. You would have to have lived in the state of California for a number of years. And there are several other things. And, and if, in fact, this did happen, it would cost California $800 million. I believe it was $800 million. Uh, no, it's more. It's got to be more than that. It, it, it's got to be more than that. Maybe eight hundred billion. Is that it? it? But it's some just ridiculous astronomical number that there's no way we can be. You know, we're looking at a deficit of twenty-five billion or something. There's no right. way that we could hit it. Um, so, so the governor praised the work of the the task force, and the 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 report has not officially been handed in. It won't be handed in until the the first of June, I think it is. And the governor praised the work of the task force, says that it's it's groundbreaking. The fact that we're the first state to even address this in addressing in an official capacity, but he seemed cool to the idea of cash payments. You know, the, he he believes that you know that there are perhaps some other things that need to be looked at in terms of, 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 of paying some kind of reparation, maybe not in a cash way, but making some, finding some way to address those who were, uh, who had their, 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 their liberty taken away from them and taken right. away from them by the state. I mean, California, it wasn't a slave state, but California certainly had redlining. California yeah. certainly had neighborhoods black people couldn't live in. And had places yeah. where black people were not allowed to go, and these these kinds of things. But what's interesting is is that the proposal could conceivably 
be introduced by somebody, you know, you need somebody in state legislature to introduce, a, you know, craft a bill, you know, with yeah. this language in it and introduce it. And there's no question what a supermajority in the California state legislature would do. And, and then the question becomes, does Gavin sign it or does Gavin not sign it? So um, just your thoughts about the whole, the whole thing. Well, again, like you said, that amount of money probably would be a non-starter because it would bankrupt the state, but that's not the point. And I think the whole point of reparations discussions is bringing up the issue. I mean, we've got states that are, you know, excising any reference to slavery from their history books because it might upset white people. And, you know, that's, I mean, so just the fact that it might cause an intelligent debate on the subject in the state house is already progress. Um, so I think it's a great idea to start considering it. And there have got to be, you know, you look and not just California, but because, you know, part of why California honored it was part of our becoming a state because when California voted to not become, I remember this from when my kids studied it, um, when they voted not to be a slave state, the only that almost jeopardized their being accepted into the union. So they had to honor the laws of the slave states to get accepted. That I didn't. Um, I did yeah, know. I think that was. I think that was part of the what they had to compromise to get admitted to the union. Um, but they're bringing up. You know, they honored it, and but it wasn't even. I mean, there were people who were affected by redlining who might not have even been direct descendants of slaves. They were still affected by California policy. See, the, now, those are the people I would pay, and I've yeah. always said this: I, if, if you have, can prove that your grandfather or your great grandfather was denied housing under the GI, you know, after the GI bill that, 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 you know, uh, gave housing assistance and, and, and FHA yeah. loans and, and whatnot to, to former GIs, but there were certain neighborhoods that they would not give uh, loans to. And those were the black neighborhoods and the white neighborhoods that would not have that at the time had race covenants in their, their right. titles of the homes that would not allow blacks to live there, they were able to 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 get the financing. So right. if you can prove that your grandfather was not able to buy the $25,000 home that today is worth 2.6 million or 3 right. million that's been passed on in the family, you know, down three or four generations while you're stuck in some, you know, uh, neighborhood with, that's not even depreciating because there's no, it, it's nowhere to depreciate too. You right. know, I think those are the people who need to be paid if you can pay that. If you right. can or, that. Or look at the states that had like, you know, those neighborhoods. Well, or for example, um, anybody whose housing was wiped out on Fillmore Street in San Francisco yeah. when they completely cleared yeah. that out. Or look at all the, the predominantly African-American neighborhoods that were wiped out with the um, with the American highways being built under Eisenhower because they predominantly took, you know, they, what's the, there's a legal term for when the government can just take property because they're building a highway. Yeah, it's called eminent domain. Eminent domain. Um, you know, those people who were affected or people in, what's this, there are several cities now where these massacres are now coming to light where, you know. Oh, like Tulsa and, and Black yeah. Wall Street and. and yeah, yeah, exactly. Rosewood like and people who, the, who had those businesses, they should, you know, the, their descendants, and that would be easy to prove if your grandfather or grandmother owned one of those businesses that was demolished. Well, there have been some. There have been a couple of really big cases in the last six months, six, eight months. Yeah. Uh, there is a is a a uh, a beachfront community near Santa Monica. Right, right. Bruce's Beach. And what it was was uh, the, this African-American family named Bruce 
uh, st started a beach resort that was for black people because black people in Santa Monica weren't allowed to go to beaches at other places. So they bought and owned this section of beach and it was a resort and had nightclubs and had places where people could come and could stay and could, you know, vacation and whatnot. And um, the, the city uh, just took it. Yeah. Get away. Just took it from them uh, and, uh, and kicked them all out because it, after they've been there for years. And, and so what's happened in the last six, eight months is after years and years of fighting, they uh, the city gave the beach back to the to the descendants. And now there's a big thing with the descendants because the descendants are now selling it back to the state. Right. So they're, I mean, they're getting millions and millions of dollars for it. But it's kind of like their family members go, wait a minute, we fought for years for this. It's not about the money. You know, this is made of our great great grandparents started this. We need to, you know, keep this beach and we we should rebuild the, you know, the resort and 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 you know run it the way they wanted it to be run. And then there are other relatives who are going, no, 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 I I, I got bills to pay. Well, and that's <laughs> yeah. one way of doing reparations, I guess. It's sort of de facto reparations. But yeah, I think you're right. Those those would be an easier way to do it. And um, and it sounds like they're starting to. Yeah, I, there were some lawsuits um, with some of the Black Wall Street businesses. I thought you said in Tulsa. Um, I, that I hadn't I, heard, but good. I don't know, but I hope so. Um, but you're right. It should be a government program rather than hoping you can find some pro bono lawyers to take those cases and then drag it out through the courts. It would probably be cheaper for the government to just pay up than having to use the court systems. Well, I mean, good luck. Yeah. And, you know, good good luck. I yeah. mean, you, you see how racially we divide, divided we are in this country right now well, in terms of what's going on on the right um, and who, who stoked um, white resentment you know, you're not going to see anything of any significance happen over the course. of No, the there's a guy running. For, and I forgot what state, Tennessee or Texas, I think, running for the state legislature there who is running on a campaign to get reparations for white people who fought for the union. Because OK, so why do they need reparations for reparations? Because they sacrificed their grandfathers or great, great, great grandfathers sacrificed their businesses to end slavery which is like, uh, you did a good thing. If you have family who fought for the union, that doesn't mean that you get okay. reparations. And, and, and when you came back from work, from fighting in the union, uh, did you have opportunities? Were exactly. You to, were you allowed to vote? Were you allowed to build and start another? I know, I know. It's. I mean, were you able to, uh, were you allowed to move any place you wanted to in the United States at that point? You when know, I hear things like that, it's, I mean, but it is, it's a real campaign. You should look, I should look up the guy's name. I mean, when I read stories like that, I think I'm so embarrassed to be white because that's like, you know, my friends who are named Karen, who hate having that name because they get, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I feel like, I mean, I think at least, thank God I'm Jewish. So I was, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I just, they're, you're right. We're, I think uh trump was like the rock that you turned over and found all the gross bugs that you didn't realize you had in your yard and they were always there they were just underground yep that's so, it you know yeah. he, he taught everybody to, to to say the quiet part out loud yeah now there is no quiet part anymore uh scott well, Bale. scott Bale oh. has announced <laughs> that he's leaving california due to its homeless problem and quite I frankly, I thought Scott Bale was leaving because he's an asshole who hasn't had an acting job in 30 years. I thought that's why he was leaving California. 
But now well, and, and the Twitter response has been hilarious. I mean, I'm I'm close to not being on Twitter anymore, but sometimes it's worth it just to see. And you know, people are saying Scott Bayo, who or I didn't realize he was still alive. <laughs> and he's right up there. I mean, I feel bad because I'm sure there are some good artists who are conservative, maybe not right wing, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But you look at the Tom Selleck is a conservative, but he's not he's not a lunatic. Yeah. But you look at the ones who are full on Trump or right wingers, Kevin Sorbo, you know, Kirstie Alley, Roseanne Barr. I mean, Kirstie Alley and Roseanne Barr had some talent, but they're nuts now. Victoria Jackson. I mean, like there's people who had some ability. James like Woods. Him. James Woods. Well, he was always creepy. And I mean, he was talented, but creepy. But Scott Baio was never very good at, I mean, he was, I don't know. I had friends who thought he was cute when he was on Happy Days. I never did. Well, somebody made a real good point because Matthew McConaughey left, left apparently, I didn't know this until I read this somewhere, but apparently he's left California for the same reason. So let me get this straight. We've got two guys making a big deal out of leaving California who aren't even from California. Right. You know, who are, you know, you know, again, don't let the Golden Gate hit you in the butt. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, fine. Well, it's like those, you know, all those people who are saying, you know, we should like Marjorie Taylor Greene to bring her back in. She was saying the red states should secede from the union and right. make all the liberals stay in the blue states. It's like, have you seen those tables of how much money blue states contributed to the federal government? Oh, yeah. how much, like the balance, yeah. you know, red states without exception are takers, not givers. Yeah. And so, you know. Well, there's more. It, it's more than that. I mean, there's even more than that. Uh, there, there was a study that came out that your life expectancy is much lower if you live in a red state than if you live oh, in a blue state. On every level. For, several, for several reasons, in terms of air quality, in what you death, in terms of guns and access to guns, in terms of uh, a lot of the red states that refuse to take the federal subsidies to, to give Medicare and, and right. medical uh, medical care to uh, to the, their citizens. You're, so if you're in a red state, your odds of, of, of living a long life are, are are much lower. Not that you can't get killed or anything, not that you can't get struck by a bolt of lightning in California or Manhattan, but you're right. But then they, and then the red states are making it worse by the policies that are making doctors flee those states because they yeah. don't want to get into trouble for, you know, doing a DNC on a woman and finding out she might have yeah. You know, they're going to accuse her of being pregnant. And they facilitated an abortion. I mean, yeah, I, I predict that there's going to be unless there is a a, a federal right to uh, for a woman to choose, unless there's a federal right to re, a federal law guaranteeing re reproductive rights, you're going to see a massive shortage of medical professionals in the South. You are going to see a massive one. They're already they're already leaving a lot yeah. of medical. I think the, the clinics are closing down, but a lot of doctors are saying they don't want to. Even the states that haven't passed these draconian six week bans or whatever, they don't want to take the chance of building up their practice and then finding out oh now abortion is illegal at three weeks before you even know you're pregnant, and so they're they're already starting to leave. I think it's and and certainly new doctors are not going to go to those states and start practices at least in as why? Why would you? Um, let's end with this. This is is this is a, a, a gruesome story, but it's it's still you know one of those stories that's got me shaking my head. And this is my favorite story of the week. Um, children's author by the name of Corey Richens um, wrote a book called "Are You With Me," and it's a kids book about dealing with the death of a loved one. Two months after she published that book, 
On May 8th, she was arrested for killing her husband of nine yes, years. Yes, I saw that. She killed him with a dose. Of, oh, she's alleged to have killed him with an overdose of fentanyl, injected him with fentanyl. Two months after she publishes a book about for children to deal with the death of a loved one. Well, they say right what you know. God. I mean, God, talk about living your work. Oh, my gosh. So what do you want to what am I up to? I'm just writing songs every week right now. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm getting ready to pack up and move to Oakland. And so, yeah, I have a song coming out every Friday uh, on my YouTube channel, Psycho Super Mom. And this week I'm doing one about E. Jean Carroll. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I will listen for that. And if you're looking for me, uh, I'm not doing anything live for uh, for a little bit. I'll be doing some special performances of Grandma and Me at various theaters around uh, Northern California over the course of the summer. You know, one here, and one there. I'm mostly taking the summer off. Although I'm going to be doing some television, I'm uh, contributing to uh, an NBC show that is run in California called California Live. Uh, it's on 11:30 to noon, uh, Monday to Friday. And it is aired in, uh, it's aired live in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm popping up maybe once a week, once every two weeks doing a segment for them. So, uh, so keep an eye on that. If you want to see what else I'm up to, just go to briancopeland.com. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for supporting the podcast. People always ask, how can I help you out? Well, one of the ways you can help us out is by telling people about it. Uh, tell your friends that you like the podcast, send them the link, subscribe. So that way automatically it shows up in your feed on Thursday. Uh, and you can also help by, uh, giving a five-star review to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen to us, because it does really help. It really helps because when people are going to a platform for the first time, the first thing they do is they look to see what the top podcasts are. And so if we've got a lot of stars, they go, oh, and they'll check us out and hopefully they'll like us. So thanks for that. And I will check you out next week. Until then, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.